As a plant-based cheese company, Dea has never talked about beef in an ad before because someone somewhere once had a beef with saying beef and plant-based together. So putting a slice of Dea cheese on a beef burger, not okay. Well, our delicious melty cheese has a beef with your beef about beef because any step towards plant-forward eating is a step in the right direction. Dea, 100% plant-based, even if you're not. Now made with Dea Oat Cream Blend. Welcome to Through the Ringer. I'm your host, Tate Frazier, and it is Tuesday morning, and I am joined by Cousin Sal. Sal, we just watched Monday Night Football. How are you feeling? Well, we just watched Monday Night Football. It's Tuesday morning. <laughs> yeah, we we're, we're, take, we're all over the place. <laughs> Our timelines are a little up in it's the air. It's great to be back. Uh, yeah, but we got a double dose last night, right? right. And we're going to get it again this week. It's going to be great. Uh, we got some good football. I wouldn't say great football, but we got some good football. We got some good storylines. They knew to bury that Saints-Carolina yeah, game. Yeah, that they was... <laughs> got that one out of the way early mm. and we luckily uh you know got a push we'll talk about that right. but first and foremost the big news of the day obviously not good news devastating news for Cleveland Browns fans Nick Chubb yeah. goes down in this game um probably some more updates will come out as far as the extent of the injury but just seeing that moment and the impact of that moment for the Browns I mean that's a really tough loss no one wants to see that and in fact they didn't even show it a second time on right TV because it was so gruesome but um and also you know I don't want to make this about me but I did bet him to have the most touchdowns rushing this year. So he should have just told his agent, hey, I want to sit this year out. <laughs> Cousin Sal's backing me. Uh, that's that. I but. think it's the Monday Night Football curse. It's not It's not on you. I'm going to yeah. put it on Monday Night Football because good things are not happening on Monday Night Football. Obviously, kidding. we saw Rodgers last week. Um, Shaq Thompson for the Panthers also goes down. Mm-hmm. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick goes down. So there was just a lot so of Darius in- Smith for Cleveland. Right, yeah, it was a right. lot. A lot of injuries. Unfortunately, that's what we have to talk about here. But on the flip side of the injuries, on the on the good side, if you want to talk about the football part of it, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Um, they look like the Iron Curtain from back in the day, mm-hmm. um, and they looked really, really good. Still, still curtain. Oh yeah, still right. Curtain. Not that we learned this, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the well, Iron... I learned. You apparently didn't learn it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't learn anything. Yeah. Uh, I'm still <laughs> frazzled by this game. But your thoughts on that Steelers defense and their ability to get a big win uh, against the Browns? They're excellent. They create pressure right. and they get the ball and their their heads on every, you know, (laughs) heads on the ball every single time. And Deshaun Watson was sort of a turnover machine today. And he was also a face mask grabbing machine. Right. Two Two, penalties. Two weird uh, machines. Yeah. So uh, (laughs) two 15-yard penalties, moved back. And I think they had six sacks and the scoop and score. Mm. You know, one, you know, I was actually proud of the Browns. I'm like, you know what? This is a pretty good when they're winning with seven and a half minutes left. I said, how many teams could overcome this, right? A pick six Right off the bat, right, we saw uh, to start the game. Then their best offensive player goes out. They're in a hostile territory there. They had lost 19 straight road games in Pittsburgh, um, regular season, that is. I know they want a playoff game there. And they're winning, and then it's like, oh, yeah, all right, Deshaun just turned it over, and uh, and now it's the Steelers. If we go through the stats, it's hideous that they actually lost this game. Yeah, and Highsmith, like you said, gets that pick six early in the game, also forces a fumble. Yeah. T.J. Watt, you know, scoops and scores, gets the touchdown. Also, T.J. Watt sets the Steelers franchise record in sacks. I thought that was pretty notable. Can't, mm-hmm. can't even believe that's true at this point. The guy's only 28 years old. So, in general, if you're Mike Tomlin, if you're a Steelers fan, do you feel good? I know week one was really sour, but do you feel better about this team? moving forward i don't think so i think this is like a must win for the steelers and if you look at the numbers 455 yards to 288 did i get that right wow something there so they were on the they were on the short side of that not good 
for the Steelers. I don't know. And Pickett, 15 for 30, 222, one touchdown, one interception. Worse yet, four rushes for minus six. You know, that guy's got to be in the 30, 40, 50-yard rushing range for them to compete. They were lucky the defense scored twice. Yeah, 14 points for the defense. And Pickens had the biggest play in this game on the offensive side of the football. So that was good if you're a fan of George Pickens, especially if you're a fantasy football fan. Let's look at the futures here for the AFC North because I think this is fascinating. Right now, if you uh, go to your FanDuel app or if you go to FanDuel.com, the AFC North winner, if we're going to track the futures here, Baltimore Ravens are the favorite at minus 110, the Browns at plus 360, Bengals plus 440, and the Steelers on the back end at plus 500. How do you feel about those odds? Do you think you got to go with the Ravens? That's a safe pick. I think it's fair. I mean, there's so many injuries. Even the Ravens sustained an injury with Dobbins, but Mm. they clearly look like the best team, and it's because of Lamar Jackson, how he took over that game against the Bengals, and just their rushing attack. What did they have, 178 yards rushing? Obviously, they do that every game. They're going to be in the catbird seat for this division. So minus 110 is fair. The Browns, who I bet to win this division at a little more than 3-1, to one, are now plus 360 with the Chubb injury, even though Jerome Ford looked serviceable. Looked good, yeah. yeah. Looked like a good replacement. The Steelers, I think, should be higher than 5-1. to one. I know you can't make it too much higher because they're 1-1, one and one, and the Bengals we'll talk about, but I don't know what to think about Joe Burrow. If you look at that line looking ahead, well, we'll discuss them in 0-2 playoff teams. In a yeah, we'll get there. I will say, uh, if you're a fan of Kenny Pickett, you're probably a little worried right now about what's going on with him and about yeah. the faith of, of, of the fan base in general. There was a lot of groans and a lot right. of frustrated faces uh, You there. want your boy Trubisky in there. Yeah. I saw it in your eyes. Yeah, I saw him <laughs> on the sideline. Deshaun Watson came over there trying to grab his face mask. He did? It was pretty close. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. No one's off limits. <laughs> Amazing. It's tough. Let's talk about the early game. Um, this yeah. game was a little bit of a snooze fest. It was in Charlotte. Panthers fans came out. They were excited to see Bryce Your Young. Aunt Reba was at the game. My Aunt Reba, my cousin Matt. We got family at the game. Does and- everyone in South Carolina have an Aunt Reba or North Carolina? I think so, yeah. Wow. <laughs> you can find one, you know what I mean? <laughs> okay. and she might be working two jobs, you oh, know, wow. to support the family. Plays a little theme <laughs> song. Shout out to Reba McIntyre. Reba McIntyre. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, let's look at the NFC South uh, in general, right? So we have this game. Saints hold on. There's a push. Bryce Young is able to get a push, so that was good. Your thoughts on Bryce Young? How does he look in his first couple games? I don't know. He looks – it's a little – Little tentative with Bryce Young. I the play of the game. Did you was have that, to say little? Big, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, big, big, very tall, big hands. Uh, but no, the, actually, the, that hand swatted down that terrible snap and yeah. he ran for 25 yards. That was the most impressive play of the game, I thought, offensively right. for Carolina. And then they score and they get the two point conversion. That's what's important mm. for everyone holding a Saints minus three ticket that thought they were going to cash. Not so fast. That's a push. We love a push, and uh, especially if you're a Panthers fan. So uh, that was good to see. 20-17, to the final. I got the futures here. We're going to track the futures in the NFC South, according to FanDuel. The Saints are the favorites at plus 125. We got the Falcons at plus 150. Buccaneers at plus 420. All those teams undefeated so far. Pretty shocking when you think about the NFC South. Not shocking. I've been saying for years the (laughs) NFC South is the best division, the strongest division. Once upon a time, they actually had that, but not not quite these days. And then the Panthers, plus 2100 at this point who do you like in the nfc sound they just they had to get rid of breeze they had to get rid of matt ryan they had to get rid of tom brady and now all those teams are two and oh i'm sticking with the saints i like what i saw you know Carr's going to make some mistakes here and there i thought that defense was very good tonight albeit against maybe one of what's going to be the lowest scoring teams in the league in carolina but 
you know, Thomas, seven receptions. Olave, we know, is good, six for 86. Mm. But for Thomas to come back with seven receptions is nice. And the Taysom, Taysom Hill, the Swiss Army knife, nine for 75 on the ground. So if they could figure that out, they don't have to score 30, 35 points a game to win this division. So I'm going to stick with the Saints. I'm not as high on the Falcons as everyone else. And Derek Carr, 2-0, and you know, goes and finds a new yeah. home. He looks very happy to be there. It looks like he's almost become part Louisiana at this point. It looks right. like he grew up in Louisiana. So Derek Carr is very happy, man. Uh, there's a lot of Saints fans that are very happy about this team so far. Falcons at plus 150. They have a star running back who's a rookie, mm-hmm. B. John Robinson. I wanted to look at some of the, uh, the offensive rookie of the year props here because I find these fascinating as well, Sal. He is the favorite right now, B. John Robinson. Robinson at plus 190. We have Colts quarterback Anthony Richardson at plus 360. And we have the darling of Los Angeles right Mm -hmm. now, if you're a Rams fan, Puka Nakua at plus 650. I told you. One of the two (laughs) things I said to you, the NFC South is going to have three teams at 2-0 and Puka Nakua. Is going to be uh, third in line. You told me that. The, when I called you at the start of the season, you said these yeah. are the things you need to know. Puka Nakua. And right. I uh, just kept saying that back and forth. Yeah. I think if you say it three times, Beetlejuice pops out. I think that's all um, right. But yeah. what are your thoughts on the rookie of the year race? Um, is, it, is it sewn up at this point? No, I don't think, especially with the way these running backs are going down. By the mm. way, there's like four running backs that have already gone down. Barkley, I'll count you know, as, as a half, but right? You, you, know, you had Dobbins. You had obviously Chubb. Who am I missing? There was someone uh, yesterday, last week, that went down. But anyway, there's three gone. Oh, Montgomery's out now. Yeah, so, right. So uh, I'm sticking with Stroud. I had him at 10 to 1. Is he 12 or 15 right now? I think he's plus 1,500 right now. He overlooked a little. If he makes it to the finish line, he's going to have pretty good stats. I don't know what that team's record will be, but he has over 620 yards passing at 384 yesterday. So give me CJ Stroud at a big number. Yeah, and the Texans have looked better under Stroud. You got Bryce Young, the number one pick at plus 2,200. I don't think he's going to be the guy at this point. Anthony Richardson, if he can stay healthy and stay on the field, yeah. right, at plus 360, there's probably some value there. It feels like um, America at large, they like Anthony Richardson. They're impressed by the physical feats. And from what we've seen, right, the the draft Knicks, they're all, very, you know, they're patting themselves on the back right now. They're saying, we got this guy right. So maybe Anthony Richardson's a play if he can stay healthy. He gets rushing touchdowns. Right. And that's, everyone loves the highlights. But I feel like, you know, in terms of buzz, B. John Robinson, you're right, if he could stay healthy. Uh, people are dying to vote him in as offensive rookie of the year. Also, number seven is a great strong number for a running back. So, yeah. I, if there's anything about like kind of the cool factor of it all, mm-hmm. I do think B. John Robinson has that going, and he also has a coach who is trying to win Coach of the Year. He's the second best odds to win Coach of the Year. Quickly on that, when you look at the Coach of the Year odds, is there a coach right now? Um, mm. You know, with these rookies, you know what I mean. That a lot of times, when you have a young guy, you can kind of make the. Is Arthur Smith a guy that uh, that mm. we really can lean in on? I don't know. I'm not sure. I feel like we could talk about this later. Oh, let's talk about this later. You know what I mean? Let's leave leave this for later. Um, Let's talk about tanking. Yeah. uh, Because tanking is always a conversation because we talk about the rookies, right? Everyone's trying to find that one player that can change uh, their franchise. The Cardinals seem to be the number one team that's trying to do that. Kyler Murray, obviously not playing right now. And Mm -hmm. then also you have a situation where they're up big against the Giants. They go into halftime. They come out in the second half. And all of a sudden they say... Danny Dimes, this is your time. Mm. Uh, are the Cardinals number one on the big board for tanking for Caleb Williams right I don't now? Think, are they? Is that tanking? I mean, uh, there are less <laughs> obvious ways to tank than be like, oh right. my God, we're up 28. No, we got to do something here, right? Like that. <laughs> a lot I, of people making the it. joke that the owners came in and said, you know, this is yeah. not where we want. That's it? <laughs> yeah, yeah right. I, I don't know. But, you know, on the other side, how many times have you tanked for a player, a Josh Rosen that doesn't mm. pan out? And we're going to talk about Caleb Williams. Like, is he going to be available even, right? Right. Like his father said, uh, you know, take it easy here, Cardinals, if you are tanking, because 
He might play another year. We might stay in the league. Uh, we might stay in college until the 49ers get the number one pick. We right. like uh, the cut of their jib. So we'll wait around. And, uh, and wait Caleb Williams seems to like L.A. Obviously came from Oklahoma, transferred yeah. into the program with Lincoln Riley. Kind of a big star here in Los Angeles. Los Angeles is a great market to be in. Right. You're making millions of dollars to be a college quarterback at USC. Seems like a pretty good gig. So do you think there's another team? All right, so we know the Cardinals are probably in the, mm-hmm. the tank race, but you know the Bears are a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about them a little bit later. But is there another team that you think may be trying to tank for Caleb? Um, by the way, Kenny Pickett was playing on Monday night. It might be the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't, right. you know, I before the year started, I would have said Rams for the same reasoning, right? L.A. Now he's an L.A. kid, Caleb Williams, but Sean McVay just refuses to lose. He mm-hmm. won't do it. He won't do it. He won't tank. I don't know if he was been instructed to tank or what, but they play for that guy, and so the Rams. But I don't really see any others. Uh, you know, there might be a few teams that are around three or four wins and Arizona's probably going to be happy they're over under three and a half right now and the good news if you're a Cardinals fan is that this is such a good class let's say Caleb Williams does you know say he has unfinished business and wants to come back to USC to play one more year you still could get Michael Penix you could still get Drake May this is a really good quarter even Quinn Ewers right at Texas there there's options at the quarterback position where you can kind of convince yourself that hey it might be worth it this year to just take a four and a half Pac-12 quarterbacks will be drafted right (laughs) right right. Shador Sanders yeah Deion's could gonna be, send his son off. Could be, be in it. that conversation. Um, so that that is a big conversation. I'm excited to see what the the. T- it feels like every week when a team plays poorly, everyone wants to go ahead and tell them to tank. Yeah, I don't know tank. what that is. Listen, That's- this isn't. I'm looking at that basketball over your shoulder. I still don't know why it's there. But this is not the NBA where you could just uh, send players out. Well, these guys don't play anyway, so you can't even tell if they're tanking or not. No. We saw Lovey Smith, what he did. There's yeah. really no tanking in Yeah, there. I respect that Lovey Smith was like, I, one for I me. I love that. Yeah, no, one for that. you guys, one for me. Exactly. Lovey Smith, congratulations. You made it happen. One last thing before we go to break, so I want to ask you this. We got a lot of 0-2 teams right now. A lot of teams that are kind of surprisingly 0-2 at this yeah. point. So I want to ask you, which 0-2 team has the best chance to make the playoffs? We got Cincinnati. We got the Los Angeles Chargers. We got the Denver Broncos. And we got the New England Patriots, mm-hmm. who our boss, Bill Simmons, said that they would be the best out of this group uh, to make the playoffs, but who do you say? He is our boss, but he's very, very (laughs) wrong about that. He doesn't even like them to beat the Jets this week. No, he he believes. He believes. believes. He's a Met guy. I don't think it's the Patriots. I did have Denver at 9-8 and before the season. I don't know. They could be 2-0. I don't know. They lost in spectacular fashion. Now they have to go to Miami, so I, I might be off of that you know the Bengals it really is about Joe Burrow and uh I thought he might be healthy but you know they have the line fan though at two and a half over the Rams at home which tend to lean towards that he's not starting this week so Mm. that's huge and I don't love the Chargers in that spot either we're going to talk about coach of the year and coaches that could maybe be fired later on um I think that's a good candidate right there in Staley so I'm gonna I'm gonna have faith in the Bengals after seeing how the Steelers played, and after seeing how the Browns might be decimated by injuries, maybe they leap up a little bit in that division. I like it, and uh, I could try to talk myself into Sean Payton, Russell Wilson, but I just feel like there's something off there. I don't know what it is, but you could take them right now, and you could get the odds at plus 450. So if you believe in Denver and think that you can spin it around and they could get the season on the right track, two veteran coach and player there you can believe in. So I like that as well. But uh, a lot of 0-2 teams right now. Sal, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to keep this thing rolling. All right, I'm going to drink this water. (laughs) Please.
All right, welcome back into Through the Ringer. We just talked about the Monday night football games, but we are here to play one of my favorite games with you, Cousin Sal. We like to do over-under reactions. I give you grandiose statements, and you tell me if it's an overreaction or an underreaction. Are you ready for okay, this? I'll try it, but if I, I don't like games, I might just walk out halfway Okay, through. well, you yeah. can always leave. You always have the right. option. You can get up and leave, and then I'll just talk to myself, and I we'll see that. how that goes. Yeah, that'll be fun. Maybe I end up talking about basketball. We'll see. <laughs> um, here's my first statement for you, and you can give me over-under-reaction. Micah Parsons, Dallas. Cowboys superstar is the best player in the NFL. Cousin Sal, what about that? Over <laughs> or underreaction? It's hard to say that that's an underreaction. What would? How would it be an underreaction? Like, no, no, not just the NFL. All the FL. Oh, USFL, any league. The Anyone that's playing football, yeah. he's a world champ. Anytime you ever saw football on a field, he was the best. Yes. Well, now it's gotten out of hand, right? Like, mm. I'm not going to say I discovered this, the Michael yeah. Parsons greatness, but he was plus 450 to win uh, defensive player of the year. Now he's like, it's almost half that. Yeah. People are comparing are comparing him to LT. And if I say anything like that, they're like, you're a jerk. You got boasts in the league. What about what everything that Aaron Donald did? But I just love the way he plays. I love how he glides to the quarterback. It, it, it seems it's so seamless the way he's doing it. And can I just have fun watching him? I do think he's the best right now. I do think he's the best too. And if you look at the MVP odds, obviously quarterbacks are pretty much the favorites to win MVP at this point. But yeah. he's plus six thousand to crazy. be the MVP, and uh, I think there's value there. That's what we like to say in the yeah, business. Special, yeah, in this business we like <laughs> to say that. Uh, yeah, Dak is sixteen to one. So just mm. on his team, he's not even considered the. MVP, which I think is off. Who's watching the games, if that is the case? No. I don't know. We'll figure that out later. You're All right. right. You know what? You were right. This is a very fun game. Okay, <laughs> let's keep it going. Yeah, let's have fun. All right, number two. This is not fun for Chicago Bears fans. Maybe they go earmuffs here, but the Bears still need a franchise quarterback. Uh, overreaction or underreaction? I, I, I don't think it's an overreaction. So what was my other option? Underreaction? <laughs> yeah. yeah right. I, I feel like, and I like Justin Fields. I had him on fantasy teams, but you, you quickly learned that there's a difference, right? Mm. He racks up the fantasy points, but he does doesn't see, still seem comfortable back there. The timing seems way off. It doesn't really matter what receiver you put out there. You know, they did some nice things. They got him a number one. They got him yeah. DJ Moore. He looked better in week two, but still. Just getting gobbled up sack-wise, and it's, just, it's not good. And, uh, you know, it, it's also not good that C.J. Stroud, if you want to go Ohio State versus Ohio State, already has more 300-yard passing games in his career. That's not than, good. Uh, Fields. I think they regret not unloading him in March when they had the chance. Yeah, 5-22 and 22 as a starter for the Chicago Bears. That is yeah. not what they're looking for, but we've seen quarterback struggle there before. My guy Mitchell Trubisky, mm-hmm. even Nick Foles coming off a Super Bowl. He goes there. He can't save the day. So the Chicago Bears have a quarterback problem dating back to George Blanda. Yeah. So it's been a problem. The joint is haunted, I tell you. <laughs> Something's going on yeah. uh, for the Bears. All right, next up, we got Arthur Smith is the coach of the year. Hmm. Overreaction, underreaction, Atlanta Falcons coach. Yeah, I know who he is. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I, I some of our audience doesn't. <laughs> I, I think it's an overreaction. They're wondering where the basketball show is. <laughs> A little bit of an overreaction. I don't think they've won any games that they weren't supposed to, right? It was a coin flip game mm-hmm. uh, spread-wise against the Packers last week. They beat up on uh, the Panthers. So they're 2-0. and I don't know if you give them coach of the year. I know he's high up there going in. I, I like McVay, even though he's 1-1. One and one. I am so mm. impressed with how tough this team is. You know, they let it go. They played three good quarters against the 49ers and then blew it. And then the week before beating Seattle, they get the seven wins somehow. Eight wins. I think it's them. But it's funny how you look at a, a Todd Bowles, right? Or you look at, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of some other guys. Uh, Ron Rivera, your guy, mm. right? Those guys, 
were considered to be first coach fired, and now you could easily say, hey, maybe they're coach of the year. Yeah, and we like when we get a new name, right? That's yeah. what everybody likes. We get voter fatigue, and people like to throw out a new name. So Arthur Smith is the guy this year so far. Mm-hmm. Ritters look good. Bijan Robinson, obviously we talked about him, rookie of the year earlier. Let's talk about another coach that people are fired up about, and that is Brandon Staley, coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. Is mm-hmm. he going to be the first coach fired? Man, I I did pick him to be first coach fired and I just don't know what it is yet with him like you know the old chargers you could their kicker was going to be terrible they're going to suffer some stupid injury due to a doctor (laughs) you know malpractice Mm -hmm. and then the coach was going to be like calling nutty plays that Staley did right taking risks when he shouldn't have pass but you know like uh secondary trouble taking risks um now it's weird because Herbert, I'm pretty sure, doesn't have any turnovers. No, he's been incredible. Yeah. He's been clean. And they've lost two one-score games. The one thing Staley did do wrong, I mean, a, a couple things, but against the Titans, he had fourth and two from the Titans, 42, uh, up 21-17. He kicked it. So mm. I don't even know what his identity is anymore. But if he keeps losing one-score games in which the team is not turning the ball over, he will be the first coach fired. And do you think there's a situation? Kellen Moore, obviously, they brought over from Dallas. They yeah. wanted him to revamp his offense. The offense has looked good. Is there any world in which Kellen Moore just slides over? He goes from interim to the head coach. Could yeah. that happen? Sure. I think yeah. that could happen for sure. I just don't know. I was looking at their schedule. I think it's going to take a while before they let him go. I don't think they're going to be 3-7 and seven going into Week 10, but that's what it's going to take. Well, here's a little teaser. We'll talk about the line look-aheads, the Chargers game versus the Vikings. Yeah. Both teams trying to stave off being 0-3. Mm-hmm. Last over-under reaction for you. SoFi Stadium, you know, considered one of the best stadiums. Obviously, you know, Jerry yeah. Jones would not agree with that, but many think is the best stadium in the NFL. Is the worst home field advantage in the NFL. The Niners took over the stadium against the Rams. Do you agree with that overreaction, underreaction? Yeah, no, it's not an, it's not an overreaction. It, it's terrible in there. And, you know, like, they pipe in crazy noise in there. They, they try. Maybe it's because I'm an old man, but they're piping in, like, Indy 500 noise and revving up in cars and stuff i'm like oh my god this is crazy and then i thought oh it's to drown out the opposing fans booing (laughs) the home team or cheering for the road team right Mm -hmm. they actually had you look this up they had robots in there with chargers jerseys i think it was the only (laughs) way to get people to wear chargers jerseys in sofi but yeah it it is bad it's uh, i don't even think they let the the you know the the players' wives get a discount at the concession stand. I don't know what kind of advantage. I went to the Cowboys-Chargers game last year. I'm sitting in my seats, home game for the Chargers. I have a Chargers-Keenan Allen jersey on, and as I walked down to my seats, I was paraded by booze. Thumbs down, like as if I was really? walking into Dallas Cowboys Stadium. You yeah. know what I mean? I think and, that's just you. I <laughs> well, I think like, that was too. Yeah. That was a Doesn't little bit of what both. you were wearing, really. Yeah. <laughs> no, they should just play the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl there once a year, right. and then otherwise tear the tear the joint down. That was a great game this year. Fresno State, Washington State, <laughs> great game. Yeah, somehow won money off. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. All right, let's talk about because uh, yesterday we saw the big moment, right? Ian Eagle he uh, references blank space Taylor Swift yeah. when Travis Kelsey scores a touchdown, and that got our captain of the Riverboat Casino thing thinking, who would you want to call your touchdown? Um, and we got some odds right now. Gus Johnson is minus 5,000. Mm. Al Michaels, 4-1. to one. Doris Burke, 10-1. to one. Joe Buck, 15-1, to one, obviously calling Monday Night Football. And then the field is 2-1. to one. I look at you, Sal. Mm. Who would you want to call your touchdown? Oh, man, there's so many great. I don't know how I could pass up Gus, right? And mm. Gus has taken some crap for not being excited. The guy right. takes a break. One, he takes one, uh, 20 minutes off, and everyone's like... A game uh, that, you know, I think Penn State was minus 600 in this right, game. Right, exactly. So. Uh, yeah, Illinois. Uh, Give him a break. Throwing three yard outs. What's he supposed to do? Uh, he, the guy can't win. He probably had mononucleosis and still showed up for the game. But it would probably be Gus. But I'm going to go off the board. I'm going to take the field and our very mm. own uh, Bill Simmons. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 
There's Chubby Sal running down the sideline. Look at that. He broke the ankles of the defender from the 10, the 5. Touchdown! <laughs> Varsity Blues all over again. Get me a Blu-ray. Man, that was a wonky call, but I liked it. Yeah. It was good. Uh, I think that's the right answer. Two to one. I also had off the board. I had Pepper Brooks and Cotton McKnight from Dodgeball. Oh, uh, Gary good. Cole and uh, Jason Bateman. I would like them to uh, to make the call for me. It's a bold strategy mm-hmm. um, to score a touchdown. You know what I mean? Those two guys on the call, that would be fun. But I think the Riverboat captain would be happy with suffice it with those answers. He's and also, never happy. He's a, he really is like a bitter old man but whatever we can do yeah we're trying our best out here but i i think that's good and gus johnson no matter what he does even if it's muted it's still fun you know what i mean so even if gus johnson is mad at you and you hire him to make a touchdown call i mean that would be great maybe even like a real life call when you have a kid or something he's there in the delivery room and he's doing the whole play-by-play that'd be amazing i like that or at least just gender (laughs) reveals right that would be a great way to kick things off yeah that'd be good gus johnson on the call that's how you know you spend a lot of money Mm -hmm. so that's good stuff (laughs) there and he's a network guy gus johnson call an nba game right i mean Come yeah. on, that's what we need him to do. Um, last thing, last uh, segment before we let you go, Sal. Line lookaheads. Mm-hmm. We finally figured out the name uh, mm-hmm. in week three. We did it. So let's start with the first line that we're going to look ahead this week. We got the Philadelphia Eagles uh, traveling down to Tampa Bay to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are getting five and a half points in this game. Baker Mayfield, two and zero. Oh. How do you feel about this one? Five and a half points. Well, I'm waiting for the shoe to drop right on this, and the Eagles will have having played last Thursday. They're going to have some extra time. This could be a weird game it could be like 110 degrees on the field kind of thing in Tampa we didn't we saw something similar in Jacksonville and that would make me think then Philadelphia might have trouble scoring you might see like a 13-10 type game but I know we said some nice things about Todd Bowles in the a few minutes ago but I, I think this is where it ends I think it's like a yeah. 24-7 type uh final and, and Baker Mayfield I mean great run in this two game streak yeah. and uh the Eagles they seem to find a way to win ugly so that's uh kind I want to see this defense I want to talk about the Bucks defense mm-hmm. and it's been good but can they survive the push play can they survive the mosh pit that is everybody jumping behind Jalen Hurts and pushing him forward Let's see. I can't wait. Week three, we're going to find out. All right, next game, we have the Los Angeles Chargers 0-2 going up against the 0-2 Vikings. Vikings, uh, one and a half points. They are favored in this game at home in Minnesota. Kirk Cousins has been great. Justin Herbert's been great. Everything else has been bad. Who do you like in this game, Sal? It flipped from Sunday night when Simmons and I were doing the lines. The Mm. Chargers were favored by one and a half, and I have a a deal with myself. Don't ever take the Chargers when they're favored, (laughs) but the Vikings have been struggling too. Right, so I still make the Vikings to win that uh, NFC North. I'm gonna stick with them. Yeah, you're right. You don't. Neither one of these teams wants to go to zero and three, but you just can't trust them. It's kind of the same thing, and they lose one score games. I would take a teaser with both teams in it, which is um, unorthodox <laughs> for sure. But I'm leaning towards the Vikings uh, in this game. And honestly, if they do not win this game, the Minnesota Vikings, good luck with the New York Post articles that are saying Kirk Cousins should come to New York. Right. The Jets are going to try to get this man. So for their sake, hopefully they can win this game. And then I even saw Pat's fans tweeting about trading for Justin Jefferson. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, are they already sellers? <laughs> My God, we're trying 11 to tear, days into the season. <laughs> trying to tear down Minnesota. And Minnesota, they need some good fortune. So hopefully they get a win there. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Again, favored by one and a half in this game. All right, next game, Sal. We got the Denver Broncos, Russell Wilson, Sean Payton. They look good when they're running scripted plays, Mm -hmm. but after that, it is not good. Um, And they are going to Miami. The Dolphins have six and a half points. They're favored in this game. Um, 
what do you see in this one? You think Denver can finally get a win? I got so lucky on that hail mary. Tate had an adjusted <laughs> line with Denver, and uh, right. Russ misses, doesn't even reach the end zone. He's off by like seven yards and just gets batted back. I think this is a tough spot for the Dolphins. They're coming off a short week. The line is a little bit suspicious. Everybody is down on Denver. You know, when are they going to yank Russ? What what's Peyton going to do? And everybody's so up up. You know, Miami. Oh, two is favored to win MVP at this right. point. Plus five hundred. Why, why is this not seven? I think. Why, why? Because it's suspicious, right? That it's six, six and a half. I think this is a seek, sneaky spot for Denver, and I would take the points. I don't see Miami getting too up for this. And like I said, short week might be a closer game than people think. And Denver should have won both games that they yeah. were in so far. So, I mean, if you're watching the Broncos, you're just like, how can they figure out this second half collapse they have going right. on? The scripted plays are great at the start. Sean Payton is a real coach. So I think they're going to figure it out. I like Denver in this game as well. All right, next up, we got Colts traveling to Baltimore. Baltimore, um, eight and a half points. They are favored at home against the Indianapolis Colts. We got a concussion with Anthony Richardson, so that's a question mark a little bit there. Who do you like in this game, and do you think Lamar can cover? Richardson was really looking... He was on pace to putting together stats that really qualify him for offensive rookie of the year. Right. It's a shame he had two rushing touchdowns and then the concussion's going to slow him down. As far as the odds makers and Fandle go, I'm not sure if there's a difference in their eyes between Minshew and Richardson. This is eight mm. and a half. I think it would be about eight and a half if Richardson were starting. But as it is now, uh, same sort of situation as Miami, New England. Baltimore was in a slugfest with Cincinnati, you know, division rival. Might be tough for them to get up for this game, so might be a little closer than people think. Yeah, I like that. Last game, Sal, as we look ahead, we got the Buffalo Bills who, you know, they got everything righted in week two. Now they're going to play the Commanders in Washington. Commanders getting six and a half points in this game. 2-0, and Sam Howell looks good so far, and the defense looked incredible. How do you feel about this one? You think the Commanders can cover? Simmons and I were way off on this. I think we were around four, four and a half. I think this is mm. going to go even higher because Fandle doesn't care about what idiots like me say about Josh Allen and the turnovers and everything else. And I know you love Ron Rivera and all they do, but they have to protect themselves and make this six and a half. I think this goes higher to seven, and I think the Bills are back on track. I like it. There you have it. That's the last pick right there for you, Sal. Appreciate you coming on the show. On Friday, check out Cousin Sal's winning weekend, and then obviously on Sunday, check out the Ringer Wise Guys with the great Cousin Sal. Sal, thanks so much for coming on the oh, show. Well, you don't have to, we're going to do this every week. You don't have to thank me for coming on the show. Well, I'm fired up. We'll all see right, what happens. I love you, thanks, man. There you go. Welcome back to Through the Ringer. And joining us now, he is a recurring guest in the world of Through the Ringer. He is the press box's very own Brian Curtis. Brian, it's great to see you. I've just been in the green room for weeks. <laughs> You've just been Actually, waiting. Thanks for waving me on. You're just like, it's time. we got to talk about Monday Night Football. we got to talk about this dream broadcast duo. And I'll start there because you wrote a great piece on, of course, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, talking about their 22 years together. They pass Pat Summerall, John Madden. Isn't that insane to say? So let's just talk about that. The fact that they've been together for 22 years, how hard is it to kind of wrap our minds around that? It's incredibly hard. I mean, <laughs> right. I was doing this piece and I'm like, oh my gosh, they called games before the beginning of the second Iraq war. Mm. Friends was still on television <laughs> when Joe and Troy started calling games together. That's unbelievable. And, you know, growing up when I did Pat and John, 
they were the not, standard. They were not only the standard, they were the standard of just being together. Yeah. They were a thing. And the fact that these guys have been on a thing longer than them now, that just that just blows my mind. And when it first started, right? I mean, there were question marks. Joe Buck's 33 years old, yeah. kind of the up-and-comer son. Everyone knew his dad. They didn't really know him. Troy Aikman's one year out of playing and being the quarterback for the Cowboys, right? He's 35 years old. And everyone's saying, what is this new guard? These guys are going to ruffle feathers. And now they are the standard in the NFL. What was it like to be around them now as they reflected back on the start of it all? Well, it's always funny to talk to two people like that together. <laughs> you know, get him in. That's the, the fascinating same part of the room. piece. It was like you had a quote and you would tell them the quote. It was kind of like the Jordan iPad moment. And Troy's <laughs> like, he really said that? You know what I mean? It's like you were bringing him closer. It was really funny. Yeah, there was this great moment where Joe was talking about how sad he was that he was not in Canton, Ohio for Troy's Pro Football Hall of Fame induction. He's oh, like, wow. you know, I had to call a baseball game in Los Angeles and I'm sitting in my hotel room watching this on TV and I'm I'm emotional. And Troy just looks at me and goes, BS. <laughs> No, no, I really was emotional. He's like, you're playing golf at Bel Air. What are you talking about yeah, saying yeah. you're emotional? It was so funny just to see him because they're the kind of rare announcer duo that are actually friends off the air. Mm. Not just TV friends and not just work friends, but actual friend friends. Like they've traveled together. They've done stuff like that. So to see people interact and to talk about their friendship, which is both fun for them and also a little weird for them because – how often do you sit with your friend and just talk about how we became friends and what we are like together? I don't know. It was just fascinating for me. Yeah, and a lot of times with these duos, like we've seen throughout the years, right, people get sick of each other, people move on. Mike and Mike was probably the most recent example in the sports world where it's like, I thought you guys were best friends, and then all, <laughs> no. the, all the tea comes out, right, and people read between the lines. But like you said, one of the funniest anecdotes of your piece, which you can read on TheRinger.com, is uh, they, they ironically enough said they came closer when they had divorces. Like, divorce helped bring these guys closer together. I've never heard that in my life. A separation can bring another party closer. Have you ever heard that before? Like that—that that was wild. I mean, just think about it. like who do you become adult friends with? Yeah, people that you weren't didn't go to school with or mm-hmm. didn't know when you were really young, right? Mm-hmm. It's got to be something that's going to get you to hang out outside of work. And A trauma case, bond. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, and I think that's literally what this was. And travel around. You know, oh, we're we're in our you know we're in our forties, right? We're divorced. We got this different part of our life and. That's what happened here. And it's it's different than, let us say, like Al and John Madden or Pat and John. Right. We didn't hang out off the air at all. <laughs> I mean, they really didn't. They, yeah. they were great. They and took their they, headsets off and they walked their separate and ways. And that was it. Yeah. And I, I love you. I respect you. And... I'm gone, right? I'm mm. I'm going somewhere different than you are tonight. One of the other nuggets that I loved in this piece, and I don't want to, you know, take away from the the allure of reading it, obviously, but you talked about this. They're talking about the Super Bowl in 2011, and uh, you know, Joe Buck kind of had made this comment, like, "What if we screw up, right?" And then Troy kind of looked at him and was like, "We're not gonna. What are you talking about? You know what I mean?" And it kind of showed like uh, another level of Joe Buck's own criticism of someone that you know obviously grew up in you know calling games and knows the history and things like that. How interesting is it to think about 2011 we're wondering if they could even call a Super Bowl and now they are like I said before the standard in the sport totally and you know this behind the scenes when you work with somebody like that there are all these moments of doubt 
Yeah, of course. pride, because what happens is Troy's like, hey, man, you know, we're not going to screw this up. We never screw it up. And Joe looks at him, let me tell you something. I'm not going to have my worst day on Super Bowl <laughs> yeah. Sunday, okay? He, like, flips it on him like he said it, yeah. Uh, and again, if we just watch people on the air, you never see that. Mm. You never see that moment of vulnerability where you can turn to somebody and just be like, hey, dude, I'm, eh, I'm having this little moment here. Yeah. And the other person's like, oh, snap out of it. Okay, I'm out. Let's go. Right. Let's go crush this right. thing. Um, it's very I, familiar to the sport that they're covering, honestly. Oh, right? totally. I mean, yeah. that's kind of like a locker room conversation, mm-hmm. right? A little bit. We don't think of that as sports TV so much. But things like that are the way people actually, even in big jobs, they have moments like that. There's another piece of moment I love where Joe used to worry about his Twitter account all the time. <laughs> okay, yeah. He just loved the like, mean tweets, got into his head a little <laughs> bit. He was worried about it. And Troy, whenever they were done with the game, would put him in the front seat of a car. And Troy would sit in the back seat and just open up Twitter and just start reading the tweets. And Joe would be like, can you please stop reading that? I kind of love that. Yeah. yeah. And Joe's like, no, this one's actually kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. And we just start reading Jimmy Kimmel's out. mean tweets, you oh, know what I mean? Totally. Via Troy Aikman. That's a great moment right there. And it there. just, you know, loosened him up. Hey, man, I was a quarterback at the Cowboys. I heard worse than this. Mm. These guys tweeting about our announcing, it's going to be okay. Yeah. What would you say is kind of like their, I would say their iconic moment as a duo or a call or a game? Is it the Super Bowl? But is there something that they even pointed to and said, this was our best game? You know what's interesting about it? It was actually Thursday night football on Fox. And the reason was those games were actually terrible. Mm. They were not good football games. But I even remember this as a viewer, 2018, 2019. Yeah. I'd turn on TV and they'd come on and they'd have this big smile on their face when they're doing that little stand up at the beginning. And it was almost like they were about to do a celebrity roast. Right. It was almost like a like a wink wink, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they were laughing at the fact that they're calling this game. Totally, because they had the big <laughs> Sunday afternoon NFC Fox game. And right. you looked at it, it was like Browns, Jaguars. Oh God. <laughs> But what they told me is like that actually kind of unlocked a little bit of us because we didn't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Cowboys low 49ers, stakes, yeah. right? And the whole idea is we got to have a little fun tonight because if we just call this game like it's deadly serious, it's not going to work. And so Troy loosened up, I think, was willing to be a little funnier, follow Joe where he goes. Joe naturally is a guy who likes to cut up and be silly a little bit, and it worked. Mm. And now I'm watching them on Monday Night Football. It's like they're the fun team. Like, I think they are the guys who are like, eh, let's have, you know, we're prime time, right? Let's have a little fun. And there's kind of like a wink, wink. We came from Fox. Now we're yeah. with the enemy and we're having a good time. You know what I mean? It's like Jedi Knights going to the dark side. You know what I mean? They're just having fun over there. Um, I wanted to ask you about Troy Aikman, kind of where he stands as a color guy all time. Um, and I feel like Tony Romo, he came into the fold. Yeah. I think that helped Troy get to, like you said, the kind of that next level in his career. Also Collinsworth, they used to work together. He kind of he kind of stepped in for Collinsworth with Joe Buck. Where does he stand? Is he in that group? I mean, or is he in Collinsworth? Are they kind of battling it out for all time? These guys will never say it, of course, mm-hmm. especially not on the record, but they're of course. very competitive. Oh, yeah. With clippings articles with <laughs> emmys sports emmys which nobody in the real world knows about but they, but if you get a sports emmy you know about they it. pay attention to it <laughs> yeah, right. i mean they really pay attention to it and i'll tell you the thing i think that's really helped troy is that announcing got really nice mm. everybody's nice now look at that zach wilson i mean he's got some tools you never know and like mm. no he doesn't he doesn't have any <laughs> he doesn't have tools no right. he doesn't troy was very steady and if you notice with troy he doesn't do a lot of false building up of people that he doesn't believe in he doesn't just put a lot of you know sugar into a broadcast and i think it's made him sound more honest than a lot of announcers now because everybody's being so nice and so positive and it's not like troy crushes people all that much but he's very steady 
and it stands out in 2023. It's different. And he says stuff like, Joe, you just can't make that decision there, right? And yeah. it's it's not like in it's a... subtle. Right. It's not in a mean way, but it's in a, you know, a almost direct way. way. Right. It yeah. feels real. Somebody right. told me, I don't even think I use this in the piece, that like bad football just kind of like really makes him mad <laughs> and makes him angry. You know, he's just like... This this stinks, man. This is mm. this is not good. And there's a certain way that bother bothers him. Maybe that's a better way to put it. And he's just like, I'm not having this. I'm not I'm not gonna pretend I'm watching something good right now if it's bad. talk about the the alternate cast right we have the manning cast on monday night football and they peyton manning has shown obviously during this whole process he does not like bad football (laughs) and he's not afraid to point it out but i thought there was a real human moment when aaron Rodgers goes down the reaction from eli and peyton who have both been quarterbacks who have both been injured who have both been in that position before especially eli being in new york to see the human part of that, how fascinating was that from the coverage standpoint that we get two legit Hall of Fame quarterbacks reacting to another Hall of Fame quarterback going down? And that's where the Manning cast is fascinating, right? Yeah. Because there's a, you can have a moment like that. I think especially Peyton that last year with the Broncos where they somehow miraculously won the Super Bowl. I, even wow. though his arm barely worked. Brock Osweiler got him there, and then Peyton you know, did it in the end. Right? I know, and you just look like, I know what this is like, mm. where I'm one of the all-time greats, I'm just trying to squeeze out a little bit more, just like Aaron Rodgers is, and now this happens to me. But I don't think that could really happen in a conventional TV broadcast in the same way. There's just too much to do, right? The play, like he couldn't on. be standing there with Troy and Joe as the third guy in the booth, like that. It wouldn't have the same kind of moment. Well, and even Troy, if you like watch Monday Night Football, then like Troy knows about that too. The mm-hmm. concussions he had as a player, yeah. the way his Cowboys career ended. But again, you're just busy. You don't have time to just sit there and like have soak that in kind a of moment. Reaction. Yeah. So that like that was interesting to me, and it's just it's one thing that really tells you like alternate telecasts can give you something new. And do you think because of those kind of moments, we'll see more of? Uh, and obviously, they're trying out with Monday Night Football. They got the ABC cast, they got the ESPN cast. But is there a world in which we have like this alternate cast at all times? Right, and we see it with the championship, national championship game, also. But we is this the thing? Perfect on yeah, Thursday right. Night. Like, what <laughs> is this? Just the future? We have to accept it? I think so, but. What's really going to pop through? I mean, mm-hmm. it's one thing to do it, but it's another thing. It's like, oh, we have Peyton and Eli, who each could be number one announcers on their own. Right. Right. If they just were on the market tomorrow, right, they would be number one guys. Yeah, Eli could be at ESPN. Peyton could be at NBC, they right? Could, they could totally do it and would be very, you know, wanted. So I think the whole thing is, is it, can you do an alternate telecast? Sure. But is anybody going to watch it or really want to see that? Is it going to pop? Very few of them have, other than the Manning cast. And that's kudos to them for having, like, you know, their own kind of spin on it, their own kind of personality. Eli's hilarious, right? I feel like I've actually gained, like, I've liked Eli more post-New York Giants than I did when he was with the New York Giants, right? Which is saying something. That doesn't happen often. And it's because of that telecast that it it really comes through. Like, even Mm -hmm. if Eli were just calling a game with a play-by-play guy, you know, if he was standing next to Al Michaels, would that sense of humor come out in the same way? 
if you're not just seeing him because you kind of right. need to see his face. Yeah, because he's kind of always work. laughing and always trying to rib and always trying to mess with Peyton. He's got very, as a younger brother myself, I respect his younger brother energy. It's always good. Um, I want to talk about something that's a little less fun, and that's Thursday Night Football. Yeah. We want it to be good because we love Al Michaels. He is, you know, in his own echelon totally. when it comes to broadcasters. And he's there with Kirk Herbstreet, who is the voice of college football. And together on Thursday Night Football, year two, it's insane to have two elite people that separately are so great, but together it feels like they just keep running off the rails. How do you feel about year two? Is it getting better? Is there hope for the future? And when and how does this end? I think the biggest hope for the future is the games just have to be better. Right. It's been unfair to them as well, I should say. Yes. I mean, that's the hardest part, right? I mean, unless you're going to do the Joe and Troy Thursday night thing, we're like, oh, wow, this sucks. Let's just go for it. <laughs> yeah, let's just laugh at Which it. Which I don't really see Alan Kirk really doing. That's not how they're built, right? Especially Kirk. I mean, you just think about it like Saturday Night Football. I mean, that is almost always a great game. Mm-hmm. It's almost always it's a Texas Alabama yeah. type game. Right. And Clemson, Florida State, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. You're not just like, oh, this is horrible. Let's make fun of it. You you really lock in. And so I think the biggest thing is their schedule. And I think last year it was felt like Russell Wilson was on there every week. Right. And we're watching these just horrible football games. So I guess Vikings Eagles week one was better. And it was at least an interesting matchup, a playoff team. So it if that perks up, I just think the whole thing will perk up. And then maybe, you know, and again, they did feel like they were really feeling each other out last year. Week one, it still felt like they were feeling It felt like they didn't want to step on each other's toes, you know what yes. I mean? Because they are both so good at what they do, but they also don't know each other. It feels like you got two great people, and you got them in a room, and they are just trying to just feel each other out. They're like, I don't know what you do well. I don't know what you want me to do. It's it's like a dance, but they're not they're never getting on beat. Yeah, and chemistry's weird, right? Mm-hmm. It sometimes it appears right. instantly. And you're like, oh, these guys feel like they've known each other forever. And <laughs> right. sometimes it's like, oh, they're still going. You know, we gotta work on this. Come right? on, yeah. When do you talk? When do I talk? Right. And it may, makes me appreciate what Herbstu and Fowler have on Saturdays. Because mm-hmm. that's a really fascinating telecast me where they're almost both telling stories and they're just picking up right where the other one leaves off. It's like, oh, these guys have worked together since 1996 on game day. Like, they they know. And it's hard, too. Like, Al Michaels going from Collinsworth, who had the same sort of rapport with him. When you have a rapport with someone, you go to a new partner, sometimes it's not as fun to spar. You know what I mean? You're just like, I'm not having as much fun. And that's where it goes to the Drew and Troy thing. It's it's very complicated, right? Mm -hmm. There's egos. There's mic time. (laughs) Right. There's the whole, like, am I the star? Are you the star? Who's the star here? And that's Who's the first name on the ticker? Yeah, right. And that's buried in every telecast. And what we, we may not think about it, what we think about is the way they talk to each other on the air. And sometimes it eh, doesn't quite gel yet. Yeah. One last thing before I let you go, Brian, because I love talking about this. Uh, Coach Prime. Um, he is a character. I mean, I've heard about him. Yeah. He He's is having a, a big year, I think. Big year. 60 Minutes last night. Uh, there was a great moment on 60 Minutes. They asked Coach Prime, they said, do you fly fish, right? Something that people in Colorado love to do. He said, I fish. And I'm fly while I'm doing it, so I guess I do fly fish. And I think that really sums up who he is and what his persona is right now in Colorado. He is taking the nation by storm. How have you kind of um, you know, digested all this media coverage? First of all, how much did you like the 60 Minutes lineup where it was Vladimir Zelensky in Ukraine right. and then Coach Prime? Yeah, I mean, our, two, our, our two, two leaders. <laughs> two, two visions of leadership yeah, in 2023. Right. I'm amazed at it because, like, last week on ESPN, he was giving sunglasses to Stephen A. on first take. Absolutely. And then the McAfee show up, and he was giving sunglasses to Pat McAfee. We're just doing the same bit. 
and selling $1.2 million worth of sunglasses, right? I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's totally unbelievable. <laughs> and it's, it's just amazing because it has a little something for everybody. If you don't know anything about football, you're like, look at all the celebrities on the sidelines. Look yeah. at Kawhi Leonard. Right. And we don't see getting around to don't see him like often. this that much. We, Michael Irvin's here for some reason. Yeah, we Cameron, Master P. Everybody's offset, here. Yeah. And then you got so you got the showbiz part of it. You got the college football resurrecting a program in Colorado. It wasn't really that great since the '90s part of it. And then you've just got this thing of just it's just content. Mm. Everything's interesting. The press conference is interesting. Talking to the reporter after the first half, or right at the end of the game, that's interesting. Him on the sidelines, interesting. The thing about his sons is interesting. Him on first take is interesting. Him on game day, it's just it's feeding everybody. You know, everybody's like, oh. Look at this. I'm getting in on this, so yeah. I'm going to get you know some more attention to me, too. And he's done a great job of playing the hits for what college football fans want to hear. Um, he knows exact, He knows how to say daggone ball, and we're going to play tough, and da-da. You know, he, junk. Right. He has all these sayings, and you're like, this is like Bobby Bowden, but a new spin on it. <laughs> and uh, it's incredible. Shout out to Coach Prime. It's been great to watch. Shout out to you, Brian Curtis. Go check out all of your amazing work, especially on the Press Box, my favorite podcast. Uh, go check it out now. Thanks for coming on the show, Brian. Thank you, Tate Frazier. Always a pleasure to be here. <laughs> All right, there you have it for another edition of Through the Ringer. Thanks to Cousin Sal and Brian Curtis for coming into the studio. This has been a great time. And in case you missed it, we have Through the Ringer coming back on Friday. Nora is back in the building. We will be doing this Tuesdays and Fridays throughout the season. We'll see you on Friday.